Matthew 14, starting at verse 22. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking towards them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come onto the water. He said, Come. So, Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. You know, I must have a look up there sometime. What goes on behind them walls? You did well this morning leading us. Thank you. Talking to you. She did well, didn't she? It was great. There's a, a musical called Stepping Out. It, it's set in a church hall and it catalogues the lives of seven women and one man, their teacher and their piano player. And it's at a weekly dance class. And these are called the Mavis Turner Tappers. And they're invited to take part in a charity concert. And so they have to raise their game. To do justice to themselves and to do justice to their first performance. And the film and the play is called Stepping Out. I was up in the lakes with Mary recently and we were just passing by Lowood Bay Hotel and uh, there on the lake were the, and it, it, can you say a round sphere? Alright, is, is that, well, well and they were plastic, see-through. And the idea is that you actually step inside this sphere of plastic and then you begin to work on the water. And Mary looked at me and I looked at Mary and we said, no. <laughs> amazing, amazing. They tell me, though I've never seen it or been there, 
are at the top of Blackpool Tower. They've now taken away an area and have implanted there a large piece of glass. And it's called the walk of faith. And you walk over the glass to the other side. And you can look down and you can see everything below you. I won't be doing that either. <laughs> but it's called stepping out. Stepping out. And here in this lovely story, and it's a great story. This story of, of Jesus walking on the water. This is stepping out. First things. Whenever you step out in life, you will meet a salvo of storms. Whenever you step out in life, you will meet a salvo of storms. Remember that these disciples were being obedient to Jesus' instructions. The scripture says that he made them get into the boat. And, and they stepped out in full confidence in Jesus' words. But they still had trouble. You can imagine one or two of them looking at each other and saying, Well, we did expect. Yeah, well, I know, and I anticipated as well a pleasant evening sail. But I don't know where this lot came from. As the squall grew and the winds grew and the, the poor little boat was battered and, and hammered by the, by the sea. Listen, men and women. There is no such thing as a storm-free life. There is no such thing. And there are times when you feel as though you're making ever so little progress. Have you ever felt like that in your life? Ever so little progress. When, when life doesn't make sense. When one minute everything is right and one minute everything is wrong. On Thursday, just after 12 o'clock, I drove into the driveway and got out of the house and went in and the phone was ringing. And on the phone was a voice. And he just said, Kieran has committed suicide. That's my adopted grandson, by the way. And storms, they hit you. And this morning I was listening to UCB, the hymns, and I'm just totally amazed how sometimes the right hymn is there. And they, they played a, a beautiful version of Anna Letitia Waring's, uh, you know, um, hymn. She struggled with unnamed challenges as she stepped out in her life. She struggled with loneliness. But she never gave up. And those words rang in the bedroom this morning when it said, The storms may roar without you. My heart may low be laid. But God is round about me. And can I be dismayed? I thought about those storms within us.
stepping out, you will face a salvo of storms. I love that little phrase in Joshua. I, I often read it. And it just says, you have not passed this way before. And some of you have passed ways. And I don't know how you've, how you've faced up to them. How you've got through. As we faced with a salvo of storms. Well, the lovely thing about it is in stepping out, we will perceive the presence of God. During the fourth watch, Jesus went to them, walking on the water. You know, there are times when I want something to lift my faith. And God comes to me. And it's in stepping out. In stepping out that we perceive the presence of God. Jacob says, surely God was in this place and I didn't know it. Those moments when you're conscious of the presence of God. Richard Kidd is the principal of the Northern College, or, or whatever it's called by now. I think it changes its name every three years. But Richard told me that he went, he went to a monastery and they put him in his room and they gave him a passage of scripture it was John chapter 3 about Nicodemus and he had to read it and he did and they came to see him at night and said did you read the passage and he said I did he said what did you learn well he said I yeah. it, it was and the man said read it again read it again And while he was there for those four nights, each morning, each night they would come and they would say, what have you learned? And he would say something. And the monk would say, or the priest would say, I'm sorry, read it again. Until one day he's there reading and it says, are you a ruler of Israel and know not these things? And Richard said, it was like the presence of God in that room overwhelming me. Because as I read those words, they said, are you a principal of a theological college and you don't know these things? And Richard said it was like being born again, again. Because when you step out, perceive the presence of God. Oh, I know sometimes you'll think it's a ghost like these lads did. You know, but in the end, God's saying, I'm going to get your full attention. Get your full attention. C.S. Lewis, he, he, he speaks about suffering. And he says, it's God's megaphone. He said, I'll get your attention. I presume at this point I should break into a lovely little song by um, uh, uh, Hind. Chrissy Hind. Gonna use my hands. 
going to use my, my, my imagination. I'm going to get to you. And God said, I will get to you. I will get to you. And you will perceive in all the salvo storms, you will perceive, you will know my presence. tell you these men and women had something that was powerful it's not a ghost it's God those moments in your life where you didn't know which way to turn and you, you didn't know what but somewhere along the line you perceived the presence of God in your life and you knew it was God and you stepped out and you were doing what God wanted you to do somewhere along the line it all went wrong. But in all the wrongness, you perceived God's presence. Because God knows how to work all things. He's in all things, working them together for your good. I, I don't understand that fully. I've had it out with God. He said nothing on the subject. He said nothing. And rightly so. Because my little mind wouldn't be able to take it in. You're going to step out as well. You're going to discover the difference between faith and fantasy. This is what Peter says. If it's you, and only if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. The need today in the church is to know the difference between faith and fantasy. There is so much gobbledygook and what I would call reckless stupidity in the church. It's unbelievable to fathom out the difference between hope and illusion. I remember, oh, it was a few years ago now, it could be 34 years ago now, 1978, November 18th it was, where a man called Jim Jones had taken his congregation to South America in that northern area. And the man's mind was deranged and he gave to everybody strychnine tablets and he spoke about the way in which the government was going to come and get them. And these people took these tablets and 930, 913 adults died. 276 children died. It was about fantasy. It wasn't about faith. I remember reading, oh, it would be a number of years ago now, a young Pentecostal lad who got married. And they went to their honeymoon suite and he had a balcony. And he was so pleased and they stood on the balcony and he said to him, this is straight up, this is not, not fictitious. He said to his, his new wife, he said, I could jump off this balcony and I know God will put his hands underneath me and save me. And the boy jumped. Dead. 
there is a difference that we must learn between faith and fantasy. Faith and fantasy. Just recently, I was reading the scriptures to some people. Oh, I got it wrong. Oh, well, it's a terrible do, isn't it, when you're reading and you see the word and you get the wrong word. Oh, and I'm reading. It's, it was from Romans. And, and it should be, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And I've read this thousands of times. And so I read the passage. And I say, be transformed by the removal of your mind, I thought. <laughs> but how much truth is there in there? That when we think about God, sometimes we remove our minds. And when you step in now, you've got to know the difference between faith and fantasy. Between recklessness and stupidity. It's not unscriptural, men and women, to struggle over choices. It's not unscriptural to struggle over decisions. I, that moment, the, the, sometimes the disciples were such arrogant, unbelievable people. There was one point where they're in the Samaritan area and things hadn't gone too well in the hospitality of the Samaritans towards the disciples and Jesus. And whatever had happened, I don't know, but the reaction of the disciples is this. Just listen. Lord, you can... Lord, hey, hey, what do you want us to do, Lord? Do you want us to call down fire like from heaven and destroy them? Jesus rebuked them, and this is what he said, Mike Hook translation, you are living in a fantasy world. I don't want to live in a fantasy world. I want to live in a world where I know the difference between faith and fantasy. And Jesus says, I've, I've come not to condemn the world, but I've come to save the world. And so stepping out... We will know the difference between faith and fantasy. Faith says, I know who I have believed. But what is it, men and women? What do we do? We change the whole thing. We, we no longer confront with, I know who I have believed. But we say, I know what I have believed. I'm sometimes tempted to say that God isn't particular about what you believe, but who you believe in. The one and only Son of God. Who we believe in. Who we believe. Stepping out as well, you've got to step out of your comfort zone. Jesus said to Peter, come. Come. Step out of the familiarity. Not easy. Never easy. Come to me. Out of the comfort zone. Do you know during um, a time in 252, that's um, AD, there was a plague in a place called Carthage. And the heathens just threw out the dead on the doorstep. And nobody cared for the sick. 
But the bishop of that time got his people together. And they went out. And they buried the dead. And they cared for the dying. Did you hear that? Cared for the dying. But what's the church shouting about today? All I can hear is, All that will be glory for me. I can remember men and women when we sang, Rescue the perishing and care for the dying. And snatch them in pity from the grave. Step out of our comfort zone. They were actually called the gamblers for Christ. What a wonderful phrase. Love it. And here is stepping out of the boat to make room for adventure in your life. Just listen to these people from the Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Some braved abuse and whips. Chains and dungeons, some were stoned, some were cut in two, some were murdered in cold blood. And the Bible says, not one of these people, even though they lived lives of faith, were expecting. They got their promise, but they didn't realize it. Step. Do you know God has plans for you? God has plans for you. Do you know I've, I've prayed for this church since I was knee high of a teenager. Prayed for it. Because I've seen sometimes the risk that's taken on. To do things that are different. To face our fears. And even to enjoy the unknown. Whatever this world throws at us, whatever happens to us in a salvo of storms, men and women, you've got to make room for adventure. Make room for it. And stepping out, verse 30, he was afraid. That's all Peter, good lad. I love Peter. There's so much about this lad that I love. I hear sermons, you know, and they're really giving Peter aggro, aggro, aggro. So I turn them off. Change channels. Watch United. And change channels. <laughs> Peter faced his fears. They tell me, well, he faced his fears and he went down. No, 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 no. He faced his fears and he grew. Because he didn't lose faith. It was, don't be afraid. Like one man said, I may have gone down, but I've never reached the bottom. Why? Because underneath me are the everlasting arms of God. Alison Tomlinson, I'd love to meet her, she sounds a, an incredible woman. She was um, uh, 2010, the Methodist Conference President. And this is what she said. She said, if we pay attention to God, we won't stay in church, our comfort zone, but we will get out of our comfort zone because that's where God challenges us to do and to pay attention to those on the edge, the disregarded, the neglected, the disinterested, the distraught. 
get out of our comfort zone. All comfort zones ever do is just create barriers. And the cross has wrecked barriers. Step out and face your fears. Well, this is, is a great story. I, 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 love, I love this bit of the story. Because Jesus reached down and he said, Hey, little faith. I think that was his nickname. Oh, I've been challenged by the theologians. Oh, don't talk stupid. I said, well, I've been doing it all my life, so why should I change? Hey, little faith. The, the, the word actually means... You who have not yet come to a settled understanding of faith. Little faith. And what does Jesus do? He reaches down and he gets hold of him. Have you ever been pulled out by God? Have you ever been pulled out of a situation by God? Have you ever been going down and God's got hold of you? And Jesus reached down and he pulled him out. He pulled him out. I tell you men and women, I've been there. I've been there. If you took the risk out of Christianity, I wouldn't want to be part of it. Because I'm the sort of bloke who wants to do something daft for God. I want to face my fears. I want to enjoy the unknown. When I signed up, I signed up for the whole package. My gospel doesn't begin on Good Friday. My gospel begins in Bethlehem. That's where my gospel begins. Begins in Bethlehem. For an adventure. What an adventure Jesus had. What an adventure. So step out. And pull you out. I, uh, I think that's good for us. And when Jesus was on the cross of course. He, he faced the final fear. Which was death. That's when he said into your hands. I commend my spirit. You see death is about losing control. I wonder about my grandson. Is that what he said? <coughs> Into your hands, Lord. I commit my spirit. <coughs> Sometimes we're paralyzed by fear. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. But listen. In stepping out... I want you to master fear management. <coughs> Jesus reached down and grabbed his hand. He was saying to him, Peter, don't quit. Maybe you need to think, Peter. Rethink how you do things. You lost control of the situation, lad. But there'll come a time... When your faith has settled. 
has a settled feeling to it. And you know it's strange because in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10, this is what he says. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a while, will himself restore you. And make you strong, and make you firm, and make you steadfast. Is there anybody in this house who would stand up and say, God, you've made me strong. You've made me firm. You've made me steadfast. I call to you, and you pick me up, and you're going to get me to that place. Because I want to tell you men and women, failure isn't final. Failure is what happens to us. Get it? Failure is what happens to us. You are not a failure. Because failure is not without its uses. Talk to me. Why don't you talk to Darren Clark? Who? Darren Clark. Who's he? He's a golfer. Oh, oh! isn't he the, uh, the Ulster man? You're right, absolutely. He is indeed, as the Ulster man. He won the Open, he won it after 20 years of defeats. This is what his, his caddy said to him. Darren, forget the techniques, just hit the ball where you want it to go. <laughs> Let me tell you about Steven Spielberg. Film director, won three major Academy Awards, dropped out of junior high school, was persuaded to come back, and was placed in a learning disability class. He lasted one month and dropped out of school forever. But he mastered fear. Let me tell you about a lady called Jane Carmichael Greenwood who left school with absolutely no grades. Her husband left her with two children in the middle of a self-build house. And now she runs one of the most successful play schools in the north of Manchester with some of the greatest Ofsted reports that you could ever want. And she deals with ordinary kids and she deals with kids with special needs. She deals with the children that other play groups don't want because they're a little disruptive. But she works with them. And she loves them. And she cares for them. And she left school with no grades. That's my daughter. Fear was upgraded. Because in her stepping out, she mastered fear. And then finally, I hope this is good stuff for you. I'm getting quite wound up. I could take notes on me this morning. (laughs) Stepping out, you will find a deeper relationship with your Redeemer. This moment when they get in the boat, and these lads looked. It's the same words that were used by the Samaritan, uh, the the soldier at the uh, the cross. Same. I didn't know that. Same words. Surely, 
you are the Son of God. Because the great thing about life, men and women, is when we step out, we're going to step out into a deeper relationship with the Redeemer. Something wonderful happened, the wind ceased. It's over. My adopted grandson, he, he hung himself. He was in prison. But he'd met with the Redeemer. He'd met with God. <coughs> Things didn't go right for him. It seemed as though that whatever he put his hand to and longed for somehow dissipated into dust. But it's over. He's with his Redeemer. He's with him. And you know when that stone was rolled away from the tomb and the, the lasses arrived to anoint the dead body of Jesus and they discovered he was alive. Oh, what a thrill, men and women. Because sometimes that's what we come to do, don't we? We come to church and the only thing we're doing is anointing something dead. But then all of a sudden, the living Christ steps in. There was one moment... There's always that one moment at Lum. There's always that one moment in worship. There's always that one moment. I don't know about you, but always for me. And I've sat down there for years. Sat next to the same man for years. Stone had been rolled away. And he's alive. Yet the struggle is over. And those who have poured out their lives meet the Redeemer. I tell you men and women, I remember that moment when I met a person whose name was Jesus and he told me, I've conquered death. I hate death I hate it it's not how it should have been and a new relationship happened with me and I know whom I have believed Men and women, my faith is not rooted in a system. And I'll be point blank with you, it's not even rooted in a Baptist system. My faith is rooted in God. Rooted in God. And today... We've got to somehow get everything correct. You know when somebody says they've got to be baptised? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've got to go through a class. Right? But not just one class, seven classes. Right, 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 right. And after that, there'll be a written exam. That would freak me out totally. 
Now, I know these things, and they're good. There's nothing wrong with them. But as far as I'm concerned, if somebody says, I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, I say, get in the tank. Get in the tank. In the tank, you're going under. But somewhere we, we have to have our thinking absolutely correct. And, and, and we give ministers really hard times when they're, they're trying to think outside the box and trying to find words. Words. Well, why don't you use Bible words? Well, yeah, but we need something more. The Bible needs words to bring it alive. And somehow we, we're wanting just the right words. And then we tell of course, what we need is to engage in the mystical. And fine, right, fine by me. And what the church needs, ah oh yes, what the church needs is, is an achievement sheet. Have they started on with that, on with you? Keep off it, lad. <laughs> Smile, take it, and then put it in waste paper bin. Well, we need, we, need, we need a group around you, you know, and we've got to look at what you've achieved. Seventy years I've achieved now. Nothing. I just trust in God. Because it's His achievements. His work. And I look on the television, on these God channels, it says, such and so and so, their ministry. John Metcalf's ministry. <coughs> I thought there were only one ministry, and that ministry was Jesus. Only one ministry. It's Jesus' ministry. I want to meet with the Redeemer. I don't want to meet with a sidekick. I need a relationship with the Redeemer. And when they, it says in the Bible, doesn't it, that when these people came to a Redeemer, they were added to the church. They were added to the church. I love Hans Kung. He's, he's a Catholic uh, writer. And he's written a book on, on being a Christian. I'm not so sure even if he's a Catholic anymore. I think they've disowned him. I, I, I love him. Oh, what a man. I, I'd love to just sit down with him and have five minutes every day for the rest of my life he says we don't put our trust in ideas we put our trust in Jesus says I remember Nicky Cruz once coming to Bellevue if I get carried away in this last point I'm sorry I only come up once a year or once every two years Oh, Nicky Cruz, he's an amazing character. This is the lad that was converted under David Wilkinson at, in New York. And uh, they said to him about being a Christian, he said, I don't know what happened. He said, I opened up the Bible and a man stepped out the pages. That'll do me. That'll do me. Meeting with the Redeemer. You are God's son for sure. This is it. This is what, this is what it says truly. It's, this is it. This is, 
Before Michael Dudar, what was he called? The lad, you know. All popping all over the place. What was he called? Who? Jackson. Michael, before Michael Jackson said, you know, in London, remember, this is it. Hey, the disciples were saying it on a boat on Galilee. This is it. You are the Son of God. You are the Son of God. Oh. So I'm finishing. Don't end up as a cruise liner. Making sure all passengers are safe. As though the church were out just for having a good time. No. Maybe this week you'll be asked to step out of the boat. You're walking on the adventurous side. Because my grandson will be in heaven. And he'll be singing. There is a redeemer. God's own son. He will. And they got back in the boat. And the storm stilled. And the lads looked and they said, This is it. You're God's son. For sure. You are God's son. For sure. There is a redeemer. Come on fingers, do the job.